So welcome everybody. My name is Zamir Kareem. I am a broadcaster and a news guy extraordinaire uh, from Vancouver, worked all over northern BC, Canada, all over the place. And uh, I thought now would be a good opportunity uh, now that I'm no longer working in a in a TV or radio newsroom, uh, having left CKNW recently, uh, that I wanted to, there was a whole bunch of conversations I wanted to have on air that I didn't necessarily get the opportunity to. And so this, we're, we're calling this podcast conversations. It's not going to happen all the time. It's just going to happen when I, when I feel like it. So there's a topic that's in the air right now. Obviously we're, we're essentially on election day. This will likely come out on election day and there's a lot going on. There's so much going on going into this election down in the United States. It is November 8th, 2016, essentially November 7th, November 8th, 2016. We are recording the night before the election, but this will obviously come out on on Tuesday morning. And I'm it is a pleasure to bring on someone who has become a friend of mine over this past year. Uh, Josh LaBeouf, he's a PhD candidate in geography at Simon Fraser University, and he is an expert when it comes to U.S. politics and has been our expert on Sunday afternoons when we, uh, when myself, Shane Foxman, who's a, a longtime Vancouver broadcaster, uh, took to the airwaves and, and did a show every Sunday afternoon, and Josh LaBeouf was our regular when it came to U.S. politics, and I, and I would like to welcome him into the conversation now. Josh, uh, really thank you for joining us here a, a mid-evening on uh uh, the night before election, it's, is it pretty exciting for you? I mean, exciting in that very sort of like Shakespearean sense of the word, right? I mean, it's, it's exciting insofar as it's just, it's scary. I, you know, I, I don't often get off Facebook for, uh, for 24 hours, but I, I filed my missive, um, submitted my map and said, um, good night, folks, and good luck. Uh, I'll talk to you all in, in, in 24 hours because I think discourse has gotten really nasty. Um, tensions are high. Anxiety is high. There, There's a lot at stake, uh, not just in the outcome of the presidential election, but also in the way that we treat each other moving forward from whatever happens in this election. And also in all of the uh, down ballot elections. We talk so much about Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, but there are 538 members of Congress who are counting on these two people to help them uh, get out the vote and for their respective parties to to take control of Capitol Hill. So um, by comparison to Canada, where we just elect one person, um, Americans are going to be going to the polls very shortly, um, starting with at midnight tonight in Dixville Notch, New Hampshire. Uh, and they're going to start casting votes, not just for president, but but for a multitude of positions that will begin with the, the rhetoric set out by, by these two candidates. Now, just give me an idea. Well, Josh, uh, just to give you, give you whoever's listening an idea, Josh is an American. He's from the East Coast of the United States. And uh, can you give us an idea uh, in Canada, our voting day is 12 hours, and it, it, and it differs, obviously, the time that people vote in different parts of the country because they want to be able to reveal the the results as closely together as possible. So, for example, in the East Coast, they'll vote from 8 to 8 or 9 to 9, for example, whereas in, in B.C., we'll vote from 7 to 7. 
Now, is it similar or are voting days longer in the U.S.? Yeah, hardly. Um, so we have some voting days that are that are very long. It's generally a 12-hour um, voting cycle. Um, but if we just look at the Eastern time zone for a moment, we have uh, states like Maine that will close at 8 p.m., states like New York that stay open till 9 p.m., and then take a state like Florida, parts of it will close at 7, a sliver of it will close at 7.30, and another piece of it will close at 8 o'clock. Um, so it's it's a bit of its own kind of uh, weird jumble of things. Uh, each state conducts their own election. There is no Elections America, right? We talk about Elections Canada. There is no Elections America. Each um, each state will cast its own its own ballots. Those ballots will be certified by by state secretaries of state, and they will conduct those those um, voter registration and voter voter logs and voter rolls and uh, ballot procedures in whichever way they see fit. Um, so I'm registered to vote, full disclosure, in New Hampshire. Uh, my parents registered to vote in Florida. Uh, they they can vote by, anyone can vote early in Florida. Uh, you can also vote by mail in Florida. In New Hampshire, you have to present a physical ballot. So my ballot uh, went out by UPS today. It will be at my town hall um, by 10 a.m. tomorrow morning with a signed affidavit that it truly did come from me. Now, um, all of these different procedures just sort of represent the, the kind of crazy assemblage of ways in which people can actually cast a vote. I do want to say, though, um, that for the time being, you can't cast a vote online or by text, um, despite some of the, the claims to the, to the contrary by um, folks on Twitter. Clearly, uh, at this point, it seems like associated with the Trump campaign trying to suppress a Clinton vote. Now. You were saying that, that the states, that they have the, the control over all the voting laws, and you were saying no, there's no elections America like we do have elections Canada here. So does that, so that creates a sort of, uh, uh, I guess, um, non it's not equitable across the whole board, across the whole country. So there are different voting laws in different states. So that's where, where we see in certain places like in Pennsylvania where, or Ohio or other issues where people are concerned about voter suppression, right? There's a whole range of things that could go into voter suppression and into the idiosyncrasies of, of voter turnout. Um, so you take, for instance, where my vote is going tomorrow, my ballot will arrive at the town of Hanover. The town of Hanover, New Hampshire, conducts the election. So in in a in New England, places like Vermont and New Hampshire, the individual town is doing the work of of running running an election. In Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, most of the southern states, uh, the county level of governance is is the one that's running the the elections at the local level and dis dispersing that out to precincts. Voter suppression will come in a, in, a, in a range of forms. We'll wait to see. Um, but as of, uh, at least as of this evening, we, we've heard uh, record turnouts in Florida and Nevada uh, in early voting, um, two states that really sort of represent the um, the the bulk of the Latino vote, vote or the sort of the, the forefront of the Latino vote. So um, there were hopes of voter suppression through the way of reducing early voting or, or restricting um, access to voter registration. Uh, but 
at least for the time being, it seems as if the get out the vote campaign from um, from a very well organized uh, Clinton campaign seems to have found its way around that. Well, before we get into the individual campaigns, I, I do want to ask you, Josh, you're, how did you end up uh, voting in a, in a state of New Hampshire as opposed to in the various places where you grew up, like Florida or New York or any any other places sure. where you've lived? Yeah, I, I fo- first voted for uh, state Senator Barack Obama in Illinois, um, but voting laws for uh, overseas Americans, of which I, I most certainly am, um, mean that you are um, legally registered to vote in the place where you were last domiciled, the place that you last registered to vote, the place that you last lived. So I, I went to graduate school at Dartmouth College uh, on the uh, shores of the Connecticut River in between Bernie Sanders' country of Vermont and the bellwether state or the incredibly purple New Hampshire. So I am still, um, what, five and a half years later registered <laughs> in tax-free, um, beautiful, um, verdant New Hampshire. I guess that it has its uh, benefits to be registered in New Hampshire then. On, on a night like tonight, it's a it, it, it's a place that actually has a lot of voter power. So mm-hmm. it's an interesting sort of case to think about. Tomorrow we're going to hear a lot of talk about the Electoral College. I suspect we'll talk about this in a second because, you know, you can look at national polls and, and say that it's really close. But I don't see how Donald Trump maps his way to winning the Electoral College. That starts with individual electors for each state. And in New Hampshire, there's 1.3 million registered voters. So a very small number of registered voters for four electoral votes. Uh, Florida has about 20 million people and 29 uh, electoral votes. So my one vote in New Hampshire is actually worth quite a bit more than one vote in Florida. So you could say New Hampshire is the PEI of the United States? You might be able to. I, I, I haven't I haven't followed uh, where PEI went in the last uh, the last federal election. The but. reason I say that is because uh, the, the the joke in in Canadian politics is that uh, PEI is overrepresented for the size of their population. Right. Of course. Yeah. I mean, the, the, didn't they have didn't they have Duffy? So they were also over. They have Mike Duffy as their as their senator. They were, they were also overrepresented in terms of their expenses. Yeah. So. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that for for one day, New Hampshire is overrepresented in terms of its power. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it also is where so many of these campaigns begin mm-hmm. um, because New Hampshire holds an incredibly early primary. Um, this is a state that I think kind of lives and breathes the political process. Um, and that culminates in three and a half hours with the opening and quick closing of the first poll in the U.S. at midnight tonight. Um Dixville Notch in the sort of northern reaches of the White Mountains will open up um, a poll of about 10 or so people who live in that small town, that small resort town. And that will be the first uh, ring in uh, first vote, first votes counted and cast uh, early this morning. So let's get into the the specific campaigns here over the last couple of days. Uh, Donald Trump been jet setting across uh, the United States, obviously, to the obviously the the states that he feels he needs to win in order to get to the white house obviously florida being one of them ohio being another uh what are the chances that he is able to carry both those states because he'll need both of those in order to win the white house um he needs more than both of them to win the white house i just 
went ahead and I'm, I'm playing with an interactive map on a website, 270towin.com. Um, and I just hypothetically gave Florida and Ohio over to Donald Trump. And again, I will continue to say this. I, I don't see his electoral map getting him to the magic 270. Um, at this point, could he win Ohio? Yeah. Um, I think why that scares people is that Ohio represents a certain kind of bellwether. bellwether. Uh, everyone, every, you know, everyone who finds their way into Pennsylvania Avenue seems to do so by winning Ohio. Um, I call hooey, and this might be the year where, where that goes out the window. It looks like Donald Trump may be able to squeak out a win in Ohio. It doesn't necessarily um, pave his way through to uh, to the White House. I think we need to be talking about a a larger assemblage of states for Donald Trump. It has to be Ohio, Pennsylvania, North Carolina. If we're chipping away at all of those states, um, then we've got a bit of an issue on our hands for for Democrats. Um, then then it's then it's a tough night for Hillary Clinton for sure. So. I want to get into this, and we'll probably have to come back to we'll come back to the numbers and and who has to win what in order to 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 collect the election. Uh, Hillary Clinton, I saw today, had uh, LeBron James and members of the Cleveland Cavaliers at a at a rally in um, in Cleveland uh, today. Now, you've been seeing some of the, I guess, the celebrity power that the the Democrats and and specifically Hillary Clinton has. She had obviously LeBron James and J.R. Smith today. Uh, then also she had uh, Beyonce and Jay-Z last weekend. Now, how important is it to, to be able to, to utilize those, uh, those people's names and face recognition in order to help get, get people to the polls? It's hard to say. There is so much white angst uh, coursing through this election, coursing through Interstate 71, through the middle of Ohio that it's hard to say how much these celebrity endorsements help. That being said, LeBron James is the king. Um, he's also the king who makes very, very few in celebrity endorsements. He makes very few uh, political moves. Um, he won Cleveland a, a championship this year. Um, I suspect that um, he won himself a little bit of a mandate and some speaking power and some popularity. Um, so of all those things that happened, Probably the LeBron James uh, endorsement helped, coupled with um, James Comey coming out and actually saying what was said but implied in his letter from a week ago, which was that there is no investigation being reopened into Hillary Clinton. Um, all of this has begun to kind of buoy things back up and around for her nationally. Now, in Ohio, uh, it's been a while since she's really had a strong grip on on that on that vote now uh i just want to go back uh, you were saying lebron james i i, I talk i want to continue talking about lebron james and 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 some of the things that he has said recently and and it seems to be that he is among a new era of of pro athletes that's that feel more comfortable speaking out than a previous era of pro athletes you wouldn't see guys like uh, michael jordan or a lot of members of his generation of NBA stars that would would speak out on political, uh, uh, put themselves out on a political whim, but will uh, on on the ledge. So it seems 
it, 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 for me, it seems very important that, that the guys like LeBron James and uh, Dwayne Wade and, and Carmelo Anthony are spelling out, speaking out against uh, uh, different political stances and a, a lot of them uh, to, to help maybe are obviously to help uh, with their own community, the black community in the United States, that obviously must carry some political power going into this election. You sure hope so. I mean, the, um, the Clintons could certainly use some help, I think, shoring up the, the black vote. Uh, African Americans are not going to vote necessarily for Donald Trump, but they may not show up and vote. Um, there's a sense coming out of North Carolina that, um, registration and um and likely voting among african americans is down we'll see tomorrow um but there's a sense from early voting in north carolina that african american voting there is down whether or not um you know they're going to be swayed by a professional basketball player i think remains to be seen I don't know. I mean, I'm not one to be swayed by a professional basketball player. That that being said, um, this is an election that sort of defies all the all the rules. So why not? Yeah. And what do you do? You have some sort of guess as far as what we might be seeing as far as voter turnout goes? Like on average, voter turnout for U.S. elections usually at what, like sixty-six to seventy percent, or is that that's even high? That's high, um, but I think it will it, it will depend. Um, certainly on the high side, um, some quirky states out there like Maine and New Hampshire, um, Minnesota usually track a seventy six percent turnout. Florida, we would expect around seventy two percent, but there will be some states that will probably. Uh, lag behind. Um, but I think this will be a record year in terms of turnout. Um, I sure hope so. Uh, people do, I think, feel like the stakes are pretty darn high. Um, the choices are pretty stark. A lot of money has been spent. And at this point, the the Clinton campaign is working quite feverishly to make sure that people show up and vote tomorrow. And we're talking with Josh LaBeouf here on Conversations. Zamir Kareem here uh, a new podcast called Conversations. And again, this podcast won't be out regularly. It'll be out pretty much whenever I feel like it. So it's one of those type things. So maybe I wouldn't be surprised if we have Josh on again at some point talking about various different subjects. We're probably getting close to wrapping up. But before I let you go, Josh, uh, just less than a week ago, uh, the end of one of our yours and ours favorite sports just finished off for the season. And the Major League Baseball season, that is, now that the World Series has been handed out. And as a former Chicago resident yourself, you're mentioning that uh, you had originally voted for Senator Barack Obama, or State Senator Barack Obama. Now, what what are your thoughts on the uh, Chicago Cubs beating the Cleveland Indians to win the World Series? Well, you know, you say you never thought in your lifetime that you'd see a Cubs win. For the record... Um, I, um, like um, now President Barack Obama, am a White Sox fan. ESPN seems to have forgotten that the White Sox existed this week when they talked about a 71-year uh, championship drought in, in Chicago. No, in fact, um, correction. In 2005, yes. we were very happy to uh, to win. Um, 
I think the the White Sox tend to get disregarded. They don't have the uh, whatever that character is of, of Wrigley Fields and the this kind of story history. We don't have Bill Murray. Um, I you know I think either way this was going to be a storied uh, World Series. Uh, you know Cleveland obviously you root for at one level the the AL guys that took out your your Blue Jays, the AL guys that would have taken out your White Sox. Um, my buddy is a is a longtime Cleveland fan, so I was kind of cheering for them a little bit, but at the same time for Chicago and for a city that hasn't had that and has wanted that for so darn long. Um, many, many years in the making. The seventh largest uh, gathering of humankind ever was yeah. the, the the Cubs parade. Amazing. So, you know, for Chicago and for a city that, that that's really uh, crazy about baseball, loves both of its teams. When push came to shove, I was very happy for the Cubs. Um, I finally did make it into Wrigley this year, so it feels kind of magical that I got to be there for part of that season, of course, to watch my White Sox play. Well, Josh, really appreciate your time. It's getting late uh, for you over in Toronto, Ontario. Uh, look forward to maybe chatting with you again soon based on probably a lot of fireworks yet to come, and it'll be an exciting day tomorrow. I, I was going to mention, I probably should mention this, I decided that I'm going to drive down to Seattle and take in some of the festivities uh, tomorrow with uh, with the election going on tomorrow. Well, it, you know, like I, I said, I mean, I, I said before, it, it will be, I think, fairly sedate in in Washington. Some of the uh, uh, folks on NW were a little curious why there weren't more fireworks, but um, don't expect many visits, don't expect many uh, signs in in typically fairly leftist Washington. Yeah. But as as you get further into the uh, the mountains and a little further east, Washington does have a bit of a, a purple streak. So you may find that depending on where the roads take you, there's still some some interesting stuff to, to still see. Um, regardless, I think it will be an interesting day. But I think the real fireworks are going to be down ballot past the, uh, the U.S. presidency. At this point, it looks like it's going to be a 50-50 Senate. So whoever wins the White House, their VP will be casting the tie-breaking vote. That is an important, important uh, role for that vice president, a role or an important position that uh, we haven't seen in uh, many years. So it, it will be exciting. No, it's going to be close no matter how, how you slice it. It's going to be close. The only thing that the Clinton campaign can count on now um, and all those Democrats can count on is the Clinton campaign working hard. Uh, the Trump campaign seems to have largely disbanded, but um, working on a lot of momentum right to the finish line. Well, thanks so much for your time, Josh. And uh, we're looking forward to what happens tomorrow. And uh, I bet you are as well. I am. Thanks so much.